Uhuru. Uhuru and welcome. You're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show broadcast usually live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. We are at a Wednesday time this week on Black Power 96.3 in St. Petersburg, Florida, WBPU-FM, now available on a podcast as well. You can follow us on Podbean at uhurusolidarity.podbean.com and other podcast forums as well. Reparations in Action is the weekly program of white people in solidarity with African liberation. My name is Jamie Simpson, your host and a member of the Uhura Solidarity Movement, the organization of white people working directly under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, organizing in the white community to build the movement for reparations to African people. And uh, we have a very important show today that we are pre-recording while we're all in this self-quarantine, taking the appropriate measures to stay stay safe. And we are honored to introduce, uh, coming back with us, my co-host, Chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, Jesse Neville. Uhuru and welcome, Jesse. Uhuru. And we also have returning the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, the cadre organization of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement that works directly under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, Chairwoman Penny Hess. Uhuru and welcome, Uhuru. Uhuru. Thank you, Jamie. Uhuru to Jesse and... Uhuru, uhuru to both of you. It's an honor to have you on and our, our guest of honor today that we're going to, we're so pleased to have on with us is the international president of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement. Uh, she's a member of the African People's Socialist Party's Central Committee, President Kalambayi Andanet. Uhuru and welcome President Kalambayi. Uhuru, uhuru Karez. Um, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Uhuru. Uhuru, it's an uhuru. honor to have you. We cannot wait to get to your interview, and um, we want everyone to hear what's going on on the ground for the African working class during this time of COVID-19. And we want to remind everyone who's listening, if you didn't know, uh, that we are the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, whose visionary, the visionary leader of which is Chairman Omalia Chatella, who we want to salute and uh, really put forward as the the person without whom we would not be here talking about reparations, the visionary leader of the African liberation movement led by the African working class for over 50 years. We wanna salute the African People's Socialist Party, the African Socialist International, the organizations of the African working class organized to overthrow parasitic capitalism internationally, as well as the African People's Solidarity Committee, the cadre organization of white people working for reparations and solidarity with African liberation, and Black Power 96.3 FM, this incredible community, uh, black controlled radio station that's allowing us this hour every, uh, usually Tuesday at noon, and the African People's Education and Defense Fund, the incredible nonprofit whose mission statement is to address the grave disparities in economic uh, development, health, healthcare, and education faced by the African or Black community. So we are uh, pre-recording this show today because we are all taking the appropriate measures uh, because we take seriously the uh, imperial crisis, the colonial crisis that is known as COVID-19 or coronavirus. And what we are going to do today is get specifically into how this is disproportionately affecting the African community. As we know, every so-called natural disaster uh, that we experience under colonialist capitalism is. So we wanna open up by summing up um, some of these contradictions. And uh, we wanna introduce, first of all, Chairwoman Penny Hess. Uhuru, and I really wanna salute 
everybody on this on the show tonight, and I especially want to salute President Kalambai, who is just an amazing leader here in St. Louis and all around the world, because the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement is just that, it's international. And it's in many, many countries, wherever there are Africans. Um, and there is the oppression of African people, and Pedum is there. And just su such a dynamic leader of the Uhuru Movement, President Kalamba, I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. And of course, I always want to salute Chairman Omali Ishitela, <clears throat> who is the leader of the African People's Socialist Party, the African Revolution, who has been fighting for the total and complete liberation of Africa and African people everywhere, um, the unification of Africa, the end to the colonially imposed borders, and uh, the return of the resources, reparations, everything must go back to the leadership of the African working class. And Chairman O'Malley Shatella has never stopped fighting for the liberation of Africa and African people. And it's very much of an honor to be in the African People's Solidarity Committee, the white organization, under the direct leadership of the party with the mandate to take the African revolution onto the pedestal of imperialism upon which we sit on the backs of the suffering of African colonized and oppressed and colonized people around the world. Um, and so um, I you know, wanted to talk about this, this very, very serious situation that we face right now with the uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus epidemic that is sweeping the world and certainly sweeping the United States. And to say uh, that the African People's Socialist Party has formed a campaign called the People's War, the People's War Strategy, because the situation of the coronavirus is not a medical problem, as Chairman O'Malley Chatella says, it is a political problem. It is a problem of a, of a, of a community that lives under it we wear right now. And so, you know, here in St. Louis, where I am and where President Columbia is, of course, you see a very, very oppressed African community, very blatant, what's called the Delmar Divide, um, in which you, you, walk, you could walk or drive from an area that is a gated community of white people with mansions across Delmar Boulevard and <clears throat> be facing the most dire condi conditions of the African community here. So it's very stark, it's very raw, and from having the honor of working at the Uhuru House under the leadership of the party and seeing firsthand at times the conditions of the African community in general and just this whole struggle with the Black Power Blueprint for seizing political and economic power in the hands of the African working class. But what you're talking about here in St. Louis, no testing available to the African community, still not now. I mean, it, it hasn't been. They, they put out in the newspaper, oh, there's free testing. Well, yeah, it's in Chesterfield, a 40 minute drive into white suburbia from the African community of the North Side. Um, it's outrageous. There is nothing, there is no quote safety net. We are seeing this. Um, and that, you know, we wanna be clear on this virus. It is very serious. 
that when you, when you die of this virus and you're in one of those hospitals when nobody can visit you, no member of your family can be there holding your hand, you're gonna die alone, you're gonna die a very painful death of um, really slow drowning. So, you know, this is um, what's happening now, especially to the African community. And we know that there are many, many cases, as President Colin Williams will speak about, of the coronavirus that are not counted by this city or the state, um, that many, many more people have this, and even people have already died from it, listed as other causes, such as cardiac arrest or pneumonia or something else. And so, you know, we're talking about the fact that people are supposed to go to the emergency room, but they have no infrastructure of healthcare for the African community with the interests of the community at hand. And we also know that the ruling class is making billions of dollars off of this, at least sectors of it. The ones that are still selling groceries and Amazon and Jeff Bezos and Sam's Club and all the Walgreens and CVS and all of this, even Home Depot, they're making millions and billions of dollars while the African community in particular is suffering we know the white community is all engaged, especially the white middle class community is very much engaged in lifestyle and how can this quarantine be interesting and what kind of apps can you have and what kind of wine can you drink and what kind of food can you cook and how can you take care of your dog and your children and still have fun during this time while we're talking about a level of life and death um, for the African community. So we know that there are two realities, the colonizer and the colonized, and that, the, um, that, that this whole stimulus that the US government has put out is giving trillions of dollars to, to the ruling class, to the big corporations, and a little pittance to African people and those who are not in the ruling class. And to say that $1,200, that, that pays people's rent and at most one bill, you know, that is nothing that people can even survive on. And, you know, the chairman put out today that there's 32% unemployment right now inside the United States, the whole economic situation is very dire. So with no further ado, I do want to turn this over to our discussion with President Kalambayi Andanet, the leader of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement. Uhuru, and welcome to the show. It's so much, such an honor to have you. Uhuru, Uhuru, um, Chairwoman Penny, and um, I just really want to again um, express my appreciation for being on this very important conversation that we're having about uh, COVID-19. And, you know, and even um, with this virus that do not have an expected person, like we know that anybody can catch this virus. But what we summing up and explaining here that it's, it's two different realities once you catch that virus. And um, I um, just really want to first salute and appreciate my leadership, Chairman Amalia Shatella, um and Deputy Chair Ona Zanaya Shatella and the whole Central Committee. And I want to appreciate everyone on my IEC as well, because they've been working round the clock, um, you know, just providing leadership to the African working class, because no one is looking out for the African working class, but the people. 
Um, and we've seen that from the very beginning of this whole crisis. Um, you know, today, the the conversation in the African working class is about food stamps. You know, did we did are they going to give us more stamps because it's not even enough groceries right now? I'm looking in my freezer and cabinets, and you know, being quarantined for this long, um, kids at home, snacks and things like that. You know, you know, trying to limit, you know, how much we eat so we have enough, and then being off your job, um, and then if you did get food stamps, you at this point you were trying to make sure not only yourself was okay, but your mom, your grandma, you know, um, senior citizens and things like that had enough, looking out for each other. Um, and now, you know, they saying that they're going to give people food stamps. Some people got $26. That's what they got added, mm. you know, um, to their card. Um, some people got nothing like myself, you know, at all. And everybody's looking around wondering, like, what are we going to do? And even when we talk about, um, the unemployment, it's so many, the African working class is excluded from that. And I say that, um, because like we have, the stay home mom, the mom that was at home um, because she just had a baby, you know, um, that won't be part of the numbers of saying that she paid taxes or whatever will be secluded because she don't have a job, but she is a worker and mm-hmm. she is a pay, a taxpayer that um, they're not looking out for her and her new baby. Um, they're not looking out for um, the guys that wash cars every day because they, it's not an economy for them to get a job. So the bare minimal for them to be able to do is to go stand at some car wash um, to wash cars for 5 and $10 um, is not included in this whole package, the $2 billion that um, only really is looking out for the ruling class, uh, for loans and things for their um, companies and jobs. Um, the person that started the job, um, an African woman um, that's part of our organization that was in an abusive relationship, got out and started working at Denny's. And now Denny's have laid her off, but she wasn't there 30 days. And they're saying that you have to be on the job at least 30 days to be able to be bailed out, get $1,000. So even though $1,000 is nothing, it's so many people in the African working class that would not get that money. Wow. And, 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 and then, you know, we have to watch the news, especially here in St. Louis. And internationally, we watch the news and everybody's like, oh, look at the, look at the African working class. Look at how they are in the parks. Look how they're migrating together. Look what they're doing. But nobody's describing why. Or summing it up, how it it was very poor um, leadership from this so-called government to um, help them to understand this virus from the very beginning, and then you know, uh, you know, in our community we have this whole thing of being colonized and being ripped from your birthright, ripped from your name, ripped from who you are, your identity, and so you always fighting against your own interests even when you don't see it, um, and so. And then, so they put on the news, oh, they migrating at the park. They're doing all these things and they just beat us down. Oh, how we are and all these different things. So we constantly, this is what we see on the news, but we don't see Creep Corps because they're not sitting at home playing with their fingers. You know, the little white kids in Creep Corps or wherever, Hollywood, wherever they are, they are migrating and getting drunk too. But that's mm-hmm. not what's put on the news. It's right. always, you know, demonizing the African working class community. And um, even... Um, we had situations where uh, we seen the outbreak um, hit home. Like uh, on Friday, I got at least at least five or six phone calls from people that have the virus. And some people, um, one person in particular, because of HIPAA, I won't go into names or saying what state, but with international office, she was going to work with a fever for a week 
Mm-hmm. And she works for Bystate because she has eight kids and she has to figure out how to feed her kids. And the government is not helping her to understand that. And when people tell her not to pay her rent, she's saying no, because I can't get set out. My baby's been set out before and I refuse to lose everything. So I'm going to go to work with a fever and take Tylenol around the clock. But now she has, you know, now how many people have got, you know, got the um, virus because of that, you know, and other people that is on the job. And then um, the minute we get it, that means that you, your family can't be around. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a stigma because in the beginning they said black people can't catch it. And so for you to catch it, what does it mean about you? So now I'm in denial mm-hmm. of even admitting that I have this virus because now I have to die alone. And, mm-hmm. and, and you said the hospital. Well, Chairwoman Penny, Africans are not even making it to the hospital because they are the ones that's been turned away and have to go home. Mm-hmm. and quarantine themselves and have eight babies that they have to feed. Mm-hmm. So how do I quarantine myself away from that? So when, when, when I look at this virus and I, anything that happened, even Chairman said that even if the African working class get a, a cold, that can mean death to us. Yes. You know, and so COVID-19 is a death sentence in so many different ways when we look at our community and we look at all the people that will be secluded from this. So that means people get to desperate, desperate, um, go to desperate, extreme things. So, yes, you're going to see more looting. You're going to see different things because I got to eat. So if I got to eat, I'm going to go in the store and take it, you know, because how else am I going to eat it? And then you think the person at the store, um, the other day I was at Family Dollars, people went in and just grabbed stuff and ran out. The store, the lady, she said, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I don't even care because this job, Family Dollar don't care about me. She said, they didn't give me no gloves. I have to come to work because I got, I can't lose everything with tears in her eyes. She said, but they didn't even come in, you know, bring me some gloves to make sure that I have gloves or a face mask and I have to come to this job. So no, I don't care if somebody come in here and take it. So, you know, in some ways, this is the perfect time that we have to organize harder because we need organization. We don't have power as a people and we have to, we have to, we have to have power to be able to say that even when something like COVID-19 hit us, how should we handle it? Because this government never looks out for the people. It only look out for the status quo. It only look out for yes. the businesses and big yeah. developers, you know? So even it's not even in the interest of white people, white workers to even unite with this government. You should be saying no more genocide in my name and joining organization because it's not even looking out for you. Yes. Uh-huh. President Kambayi Uhuru. This is Jamie Simpson. I just want to say thank you so much for your words. Thank you for your stance. Uh, Really salute you for that and for what you just said. And I I want to speak, uh, I'm remiss for not having said at the beginning of this episode that to all people who are listening to this on Black Power 96 or on podcast, if you're a white person, we are directly talking to you. And we are calling on you to become part of this exact process that President Kalambayi is describing of uh, struggling for reparations, uh, coming under this incredible leadership of the African working class. This is the only true leadership that we're seeing in this period that's, that's making comprehensive sense of the whole situation, which is absolutely dire in the African community as quietly as it's kept in the ruling class media. Because the, the, the visuals of this, we don't have the same visuals that we did say with the Katrina uh, that the Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans was obviously an attack on the African community. That was a visual thing. The same thing with the, 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 hurricane, the um, earthquake that happened in Haiti in 2011. We don't have 
the same kind of exact numbers of what nationality, what ethnicity of person is, is falling prey to this colonial virus. Comrade Jesse, could you give us some specifics that we could bring into this interview with President Kalambayi from this article on the GRIO about who's dying from COVID-19? Uhuru, Uhuru, I'm sorry. I just wanted to, I, I really wanted to salute President Kalambayi for that profound statement. And I thank you so much for, for bringing that. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of what the chairman is, is raising to us that, you know, that there's, we're talking about the COVID-19 now, we're talking about this virus that is affecting white people, but this is the conditions that are normal for Africans every single day. If it's not this, it's Hurricane Katrina, or it's the, it's the Haiti earthquake, or it's just life. It's life in St. Louis. It's Mike Brown getting gunned down. It's, it's the conditions that exist under colonialism, and that for the white community, our job, what we are doing is saying, we have to wake up. We have to, yes. we cannot sit around and only see ourselves, our stomachs, our pocketbooks, our, our next meal or whatever it is that we're doing, but take responsibility that for our children to live, it requires the suffering, the death, the, the incredible oppression of the African working class. And that is why we owe reparations and, I, I just feel that, you know, the, the thing, the questions, the issues, the reality that you're putting out, President Columbine, it shows that, that what we do in the stand of reparations is not charity. It is not charity because the labor, the resources were created by the stolen resources and labor and genius of the African working class for hundreds of years. And that's what feeds our families and our children. And that must go back to the African working class. And that's why the power, the party is struggling for power in its hands. And, you know, I really, that was a very, very powerful, powerful reality that you put out there, Uhuru. Uhuru. I really unite with that statement, Chairwoman Penny, and, and salute you as well, President Kalambayi. You know, listening to the news, there are statements that we hear from the white ruling class that are so very telling. Uh, like there, there was a doctor in New York City um, the other day on, on CNN who reported the shortages of medical supplies, uh, the life and death decisions that are being made that we saw in Italy first and then in Spain and now in New York City, they're openly talking about uh, you know, deciding who gets a ventilator and who doesn't, who right. lives, who dies. And this, um, from my, what I understand, a white doctor expressed it as this is happening in America. This is supposed to be a first world country. So I, I wanted to know if you had any more uh, thoughts on what you're seeing on the front lines organizing among the African working class, because there is that great disparity in understanding that African people have been experiencing an absolute lack of a safety net since they have experienced the colonial nightmare of America. It has been an ongoing uh, lack of a safety net. So I, I just wanted to know if you wanted to address that any further yeah. in, as far as it relates to St. Louis and what you're seeing on the ground in the African community. Yeah, yeah. I just really want to, um, you know, unite with what you just said. And um, and I want to speak as an international, the international president and not just St. Louis because we're not looking at this just 
St. Louis. We're looking at this internationally and how it is affecting black people wherever we are, from South Africa, from, you know, wherever, wherever black people are, and this virus is um, going. But one thing that I'm very, very um, excited for is the leadership of Chairman Amalia Shatella. From the very beginning, when no one was really understanding this COVID-19 um, virus, Chairman knew that we had to be prepared and be ready. And because of that leadership, um, I have seen people who've never been in political life, ears open and say, you, I see things with new eyes. Mm -hmm. um, the government is exposing itself because we was in front of it explaining it and play by play we have been the people's um champion we have led the people's war and so epidom have seen a spike in membership you know um we have seen people who wanting to be part of organization um more now than ever um understanding that we have to have our own vehicle um you know chairman um we have the black unk um that's led by De um dr aisha field um this commission that has been built you know, um, because we know already that Red Cross is not looking out for the African working class. We're not going to wait and for them to show us and prove to us again, over and over again. So we know right now that it's so important that we sort of, you know, uh, getting resources into the Black Unk so we can move. Um, EPDM have been able to um, provide meals to families that have lost people uh, with the COVID-19 and now they are quarantined. We have raised resources so we can make sure that they get a hot meal that they can eat. We have uh, raised resources to be, be able to send into our, um, to forces, you know, um, you know, vitamins and Tylenol and a thermometer. Uh, we, um, the, the commission have been studying like what medicines not to take, what medicines to take, how to make your own hand sanitizers, how to make your own face mask. What should you do if you have to continue to go to work? You know, answering the questions, because we can't say, unfortunately, we can't say, don't go to work, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so if you do have to go to work, how do you stay safe? You know, if you can't get to a doctor, how can you reach out to somebody to give you some medical information so you don't feel alone? These are the questions that the African People's Socialist Party has answered through organization. You know, um, so um, although we understand what this government is, and just like um, Chairwoman Penny said, um, chairman knows that this virus is just another um, way that has exposed this, 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 this exposed this corrupt, filthy, genocided, um, you know, uh, system. But nevertheless, the African working class is being pulled up and see that it's our time to stand up and we have to lead this struggle and overturn a system that is built on our oppression. So, you know, this is a beautiful time. Um, as well as a very serious time um, that yes, we live yes. in right now. You know, yes. we have to go hard. Uh, maybe Chair One Penny, you can help me exactly who said this quote, but one of my favorite quotes is, the harder we go in so-called peace, the less bloodshed and war. And that's what time it is. That's what yeah. it is. I wake up with every single day, every second of the day. It's the harder I go in so-called peace to help my people to understand that we are one nation. We have our own land. We are one people, and we must stand up and be the leaders that we have to be for the new nation, for the whole humanity. Um, you know, that's what we have to. Um, that's what we have to do right now. And so I say, you know, um, join join organizations. 
If you're a white person, join USM. It's no other yes. it's no other solution. You can't be a good white person. I don't care if you have a black girlfriend, mm-hmm. black boyfriend, black kids. I don't care. I don't care if you never said the N-word. I don't care. That means nothing. Mm-hmm. In a material way, what are you doing, you know, um, to change the world? You can't be complacent anymore. If you are if you are African that's watching this show, then why not? You have to join organization. You have to be part of the change that you want to see. Uhuru. Fantastic. Uh, really appreciate that. Did you did you want to take the the question regarding the the, the quote, Chairman Penny? It's uh, Sundiata. I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. I've always heard that that was Sundiata Akoli, who was from um, the 1960s, who was arrested as part of the African Revolution of the 60s, and has been in prison for over 50 years. He's still mm-hmm. in prison today, and he's an incredible leader of the of, of the revolution of the African Revolution. So we want to salute Sundiata Coley as a political prisoner, still in prison today, that nobody in the white community talks about. Yeah, Uhuru. profound salute to Comrade Sundiata Coley, and and I really appreciate you, President Kalambayi, for bringing up that that quote that the more sweat in peacetime, the less blood in war. It, it is a very real truism. And another uh, phrase of revolutionaries that I first heard from Chairman Amalia Ashtela, I don't know if it's a Chairman Amalia Ashtela original, but after September 11th, I remember him warning that, yes, this is a wounded imperialism, but a wounded beast is a dangerous beast. Mm-hmm. So they, they are vulnerable, but it is also an Woo! incredibly dangerous time. Wait a Jamie, can you say that one more time? That's the date right there. Can you say that one more time? After September 11th, 2001, uh, Chairman Amalia Ashtela held an all-party, all-movement summation immediately at the Uhura House, and it was an, inc- an incredible experience. Um, and one of the first things he said was he cautioned everyone in, toward any enthusiasm, you know, unmitigated enthusiasm about the fall of imperialism because he said, yes, this is a wounded beast, but a wounded beast, while it's vulnerable, is also a dangerous entity. It lashes yeah. out most violently in its death throes. And so yeah. I think that's something uh, to, to keep yeah. in mind for this period. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. Um, yeah. Really, mm-hmm. really appreciate that, uh, that you, you maintaining this, this revolutionary uh, line of thought and response to this situation and the leadership that you're involved in, in providing to the African working class and, into, and, and by extension to the entire world. Um, and that, that includes us as white people. So I just really appreciate you making that so crystal clear to everyone who listens that no, they obviously do not care about African people outside of what they can steal from them and squeeze from your community, but they also do not care about white people in general. They do not care about the masses of white people unless they can use you as, you know, to, to, to be a good colonial consumer. Um, but the second it becomes important uh, that, that you die, they'll, they'll let that happen. But we, want, we wanted to know also what you could tell us about what's going on in New York, which is currently known as the epicenter of this uh, coronavirus. New York has been described as ground zero, uh, another term from uh, September 11th, 2001 for COVID-19 in the U.S. Could you tell us a bit about the conditions you understand uh, faced by Africans in particular in the work, and the work of NPDOM in New York? Yes, Uhuru. Yes, you know, unfortunately we have had um, very close, dear um, revolutionary fighters um, in our own movement that um, have had to deal with COVID-19. And, um, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it's so horrific in New York right now that even trying to get out your home to get tested is like impossible, mm-hmm. impossible. Um, 
to try to get, we were trying to get a thermometer and to try to get things um, delivered. And we still right now are waiting for stuff to be delivered that we ordered all the way last week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to get certain things into the comrades that they didn't even have time. This came up on them. By the time the government said anything or tried to urgent the people or lock down, it was too late. It was already too late. And uh, most people in New York live very, very close and very close facility yeah. from each other, you know. Um, and so um, not only uh, comrades in our organization, but, uh, you know, revolutionary fighters that have did incredible work in um, New York have, have is fighting this uh, COVID-19 as well. And um, other people that I know uh, have, you know, in New York, um, have the um, the virus, but nevertheless, we still fighting, and we are still sending out information that we get from the Black Ump to every person that were coming to because New York branch was one of our fastest growing branches, and everybody that we um, have got their contact information, we making sure that we stay in contact with them, that we um, inform them as much as we find out. Um, uh, or no, um, to keep people safe, um, things that people can do to build their immune system, things that people can do. And what we do know is uh, rich people, famous people, um, were able to get tested with no symptoms and didn't, couldn't really say if they had been around somebody with the virus, but because, as they would say, fortunate. They said, I was fortunate enough to get a test. No, you know, that's what the ruling class do. You, it wasn't about anything. It had nothing to do with fortune, <laughs> you know. Um, Except for money. <laughs> you know, you know um, so, and right now, because we have, um, you know, comrade Nurse Fofi, um, that is a registered nurse um, on the grounds in St. Louis, also my economic development coordinator and part of the commission for nurses, um, you know, have information, getting information and giving, you know, getting that information to us is helping us because we know um, in St. Louis that they're predicting the second week of April, we're going to see a spike, which is, it has been growing every day anyway, right here in St. Louis. And they, they said that it's going to spike in two weeks. And so um, Chairwoman Penny has, I wanted to say that they only reason why they put one testing ground um, in Delwood, which is right next to Ferguson, is oh, because, did. yeah, they did. And it, they did that because they don't want Africans to come out there because they know yeah. that yeah. Um, the African community is about to get hit hard. They're looking at this virus and seeing how many people attracted and all this stuff. And they say, oh, oh no, wait a minute. We got to put one in Delwood to keep them from us. Hmm. You know, so they, they did put one in Delwood, but it was not, you know, for the reasons that I believe that they put it there. So they didn't want Africans to come out there to get tested. So from starting Wednesday um, through Sunday, um, you can pre-register to get tested. Um, and you have to have either some, some symptoms or can prove that you had been around or exposed to the, the virus to get tested in Delwood because a spike in numbers are going to happen. And then that's when that testing ground, um, you know, came about. Uh -huh. And, and we know that in St. Louis, for instance, the first person confirmed uh, with coronavirus to die from it was 31-year-old Jasmine Dixon. 
Mm-hmm. And in, in Detroit, an, another uh, city where it is uh, set to peak with coronavirus, the first confirmed death was an African man. I believe he was just 43 years old. His, his name is escaping me. We'll, we'll get to that. But I mean, there was a 17-year-old African with no other existing health conditions who died from COVID-19. And there was a football player. Yeah, he was a high school football player. An athlete. And there was a a 25-year-old African man who was an engineering student who died, uh, I believe, in his home from COVID-19 after having been denied access to testing repeatedly, despite the fact that he had a fever, despite the fact that he had a headache. And, and was having dry coughing fits and things like that. He went over and over and over again to the testing site and they turned him away and said, your symptoms aren't bad enough. And he ended up dying from it. So colonialism kills. And I think that this, this discussion that we're having here and the perspective of the African working class um, that you've brought to this discussion is, is so important. And I'm just really glad that we're having this discussion and that white people who listen to this show and watch this will be able to hear this and be compelled to do something, to take action, to join under the leadership of the African liberation movement and join the fight to end these conditions and end the source of mm-hmm. Uhuru. Uhuru, Uhuru, yes. I, I truly want to unite with that and just this has been really powerful so far. And President Kalambai, I, I really appreciate this because it, it makes it so clear, you know, first of all, what you're saying is that Africans aren't even counted in the count. 
-hmm. because they're not admitted to the hospital. And so when we're saying who's going to live and die, it's not going to be who gets the respirator in the hospital because very few Africans can get in the hospital. They're not even being tested. They can't even get in. And that their deaths aren't counted, but the number is much higher, much higher than than the U.S. is saying because of all the Africans that have died and and been killed by this colonial virus. And I I really appreciate it as well because what you have done is shown the reality of the two Americas, and that is not solved by doing some kind of anti-racist action or unlearning racism or anything else. That is totally self-centered white BS because it does nothing more than make maybe make us feel good while the conditions of the African community deepen and get worse every single day. And so this is, as the chairman is saying, a colonial virus. And can you address that and talk about the fact that this is about colonialism? This is about colonialism, you know, for sure. And I just really, um, Appreciate, you know, um, our leadership. I can't say it enough. Um, and even I think that my level of appreciation for chairman in this period has escalated, you know, just to see how he had provided so much leadership to the African nation, you know, that he thought, you know, way ahead, you know, um, with everything that um, the party has been able to do. And to, you know, like even having the theory of African and nationalist, that's why I'm not scared. That's why I don't feel hopeless when that's why, you know, people that couldn't hear me or family members that kind of like, oh my God, the revolutionary, you're going to talk about that now or saying, yo, you know who they call? They called me because they, they, yo, can you sum this up? They looking for the party, you know, um, because this is colonialism. Um, this, everything that we experience, um, as being colonized with no power we won't come up with a solution to say that the people that cut the grass, the people that um, wash cars, the, you know, the people that cut hair or the beauticians won't get anything that, you know, they're not making any money right now with this, this bailout that they did, you know? Mm -hmm. And like you said, the numbers are wrong because every person that called me on on Friday and I, I actually sat here and count, wrote the names down and it was actually 11 people that I talked to Friday. Um, and all 11 people, only one person was tested. Everybody else that had the virus had not been tested. Wow. And I'm not even talking about the people that's in their homes. Mm-hmm. And the ones that died, died, and they was not ones that was counted for, that's for right. having died of this virus. So the numbers are not real. Because, you know, um, what happens, you know, that America always hide their hand when they do dirty, nasty things, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they put cute stories out on social, on Facebook, on um, the internet, and then they're going to blame the African community. When this spike in St. Louis, they are already prepared to say, well, they did it because they wouldn't uh, obey the um, stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm. Um, they was in the park. They yeah. are already prepared to blame us yes. for the stuff that they do to us constantly, all the time. This is genocide. Yes. This is colonialism. This is what this corrupt government does. This is not Trump. This is America. 
Yes. Uhuru. Uhuru. President Uhuru. Columbayi, yeah. really appreciate that summation. And I, I want to salute you for this and for the, the, I remember when you led the African, Africans Charge Genocide Whirlwind uh, Winter Campaign, um, trailing the, uh, the UN and holding imperialism's feet to the fire with that, with that charge and that, that political campaign, which was so significant. And here we are in 2020, uh, looking at the COVID-19 crisis, but the U.S. has had no health infrastructure for African people, for the colonized people, um, for the colonized African working class in particular. Could you speak more about the colonial conditions that you're talking about as it regards access to health care and conditions of health care for the African community? Oh, yes, you know, um, <clears throat> Like even so many, so many Africans don't have access to uh, healthcare, and so we have to rely on um, these horrible clinics um, that do horrific things. Like even, even when you get pregnant, they automatically send you to these clinics where you can't even speak to a doctor about your own body or what's happening with you and baby, which is a serious kind of contradiction. And even when we come up with solutions for ourselves, then this state get in front of it and don't allow it. Meaning, like uh, it was doulas, black doulas that we're getting in, getting into the work of being able to help African women have babies, which we die a lot from having, you know, a normal thing of having a baby is dangerous um, to a colonized African person. And, you know, like going to the emergency room with no insurance, they don't care. You know, it's about insurance. It's about capitalism. Why do we have to have insurance? You know, um, it's because it's about the capital. You know, even this yeah. virus, you know what I'm saying, is about building capital. They, they're trying to capitalize over uh, the coronavirus. And so um, we don't have access to health care um, as, you know, other people like, you know, uh, you know, white people or, you know, the ruling class mm-hmm. or the petty bourgeoisie, you know. Um, so one of the things that they were saying is, you know, um, Africans abuse um, the the emergency room. And it's like, shit, what are you talking about? Like mm-hmm. you have your prime, you have your primary care doctor that you, you call on, on speed dial, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And then they just call you a prescription in or whatever. Well, we don't have that. So where do we go? Mm-hmm. You know? So the emergency room is abused because the government, and then even when you go to the emergency room, they had, I had, I, it was my heart. I think that they called the paramedics. Um, um, I have a heart condition and, um, we called the paramedics because I, um, tumbled down some steps um, and it took the paramedics I don't know how long to get there because mm-hmm. of the, the zip code and then yeah, once yeah, they got yeah. there you know because I didn't have no insurance they like you know what do you want us to do with you you know you know they don't care mm-hmm. um so yeah and, it's, it's, and even it's, even the comrade even people like my mom that have health insurance it's still dangerous I've seen hospitals um, play God with her life with trying new things on her so they can, you know, perfect something for a white person. So they decide, you know, let's try this drug on you so it could, you know, for someone else. And that's not no conspiracy theory. They've been doing it. That's why we could go to the OBGYN right now because of the torture and the abuse that they did to African women's bodies to even know how to do a pap smear today. You know, and even with cancer, you know, with cancer, breast cancer, it's not the African women, you know, we just died from breast cancer. It's because of the treatment. Mm-hmm. That's right. It, it's, it's absolutely genocidal, as, as you're saying, President Kalambayi. And we, we could do a whole show just on the question of the torture 
of African women that went into the founding of uh, OBGYN profession, gynecology. Uh, Miriam Sims, if I'm not mistaken, was the slave-owning uh, torturer's name. Um, we only have, unfortunately, have a few minutes left with you, President Kalambayi, and uh, we're so very grateful to have, have you on here. Before we lose any more time, could you tell us about the International Democratic Uhuru Movement's or NPDUM's upcoming actions, live streams, and any Sunday rallies that you want to inform people about? Uhuru. Yes, you know, I just um, really um, appreciate, you know, um, the party for even answering the question about white people, you know, mm. um, really solving that question to the revolution, because that's very critical, because we, we're not playing, we're trying to, ch the world has to change, or we won't exist no more. Um, from the bees and the crises of everything, imperialism is dangerous even to itself. Yes. Um, so mm -hmm. it has to go. It has to go. Yes. It has yes. to go. Mm -hmm. And no one else is leading the charge but the African People's Socialist Party. So I just really salute, you know, the vanguard mm -hmm. of this revolution, and that's the African People's Socialist Party that is bent on the destruction of imperialism and the rising of a new world in the leadership being the African working class. This is the way of the future. This is how any of us will have a future. Um, is right. for black power. So Thank I just really right. appreciate this show and this conversation. We have to have it. We have to get uncomfortable. We have to put in sweat. You know, we have to be willing to die to ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, destroy this, destroy um, this monster. Uhuru. Uhuru. Cousin Kalambayi. And I just, you are on fire. And it is so powerful and so moving and all white people who are listening to this must get organized. The Uhuru Solidarity Movement National Convention is coming up really soon and I want to call on Comrade Jesse to tell us a little bit about that and how people can be part of it. Yes, yeah, so uh, April 18th and 19th, the Uhuru Solidarity Movement National Convention, the Reparations Uprising is going to be happening on a Zoom webinar. It's going to be an online conference to really build the reparations front of the people's yes. war against COVID-19 and all manifestations of colonialism and imperialism. And uh, Chairman Amali Chatella is gonna be our keynote speaker. Penny Hess will be speaking. Deputy Chair Onizanea Chatella, President Columbine and Danette uh, is gonna be on it. And it's it, we have an amazing lineup of speakers and you don't wanna miss this because it's gonna be about really launching a campaign to struggle with the money sector, the ruling class capitalist elite to demand that Wall Street pay reparations yes. to African people. So uhurusolidarity.org slash register is where you can go to uh, get signed up for April 18th and 19th, USM National Convention Reparations Uprising. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important that we talk about the responsibility of white people in this period and, and that we let people know that, that we, we do this uh, not so that we can be observers and consumers of information, but so that we can take action. Chairwoman Penny Hess, did you, did you yeah. want to say some words about the responsibility of white people in this period? Well, first of all, I want to thank again President Columbia and Danette. Thank you so much for being on. That was very incredible. It was very powerful and for bringing the reality, the world as it really is, right into this, this meeting, right into the, the face of white people. And, and that, you know, as President Columbia has said, if we want to 
change the world, if we, if we want to throw off a world in which there is even the coronavirus and that people, the, the oppressing colonized people have no control over what happens to them. If we want to change the world that, that throws people who can't pay for their healthcare out on the steps of the hospital that doesn't serve them, that, that criminalizes the African population every single day that rips them off, that creates situations that you can't even live in and then blames them for it as we make the money from it. If you want to change this world, if you want to, if you have any problem with imperialism, the only leadership for that is the African working class and the African revolution, the working class of the entire world. And this is what socialism is. It's going to be led by the organized African working class, the African People's Socialist Party, the African Socialist International on the ground fighting in South Africa, occupied Zania, where Africans are in Europe, throughout the United States, in the Caribbean, every place that African workers are, they are rising up. They're going to overthrow this system and bring bring true socialism to the world in which the workers, the African workers have power over the means of production and the return of their stolen resources. And that's what we have to do. Turn it back over, turn over the stolen loot. That's what reparations is. It's in our interest. It's in our interest to get rid of a system built on the profit motive, built on turning human beings into commodities for sale, Turn on, built on genocide, on rape, on plunder, on murder, on theft, on everything, most horrible thing that human beings could do to another human being. I don't want to live in that world. I do not want to live in that world. I want to see President Kalambayi and the African working class have power over their lives and be the ones that can change this world. So if you unite with that, if you want to be part of of changing the world, not just explaining it. Become a member of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement and pay reparations now. Excellent, Uhuru Chairwoman Penny has someone. I wanna join you in thanking you, President Kalambayi on the net for this incredible interview, yeah. uh, for helping us understand that this is not just a, a health crisis, this is a political problem. It is one more manifestation of a colonial imperialism. This government does not care about anyone. It does not work for human beings. This is the African working class taking power that you're representing. And it's the African working class taking power and functioning as the government of the African working class and everyone. So I, I wanna unite with Chairman Penny's uh, call for people to, to uh, go to the uhurusolidarity.org to check out Black Ankh. And I wanna turn it to uh, Chair Jesse Neville now and uh, ask if we have any announcements as we bring this episode to a close. Uhuru, Uhuru, Jamie, um, just want to salute President Kalambayi and Danette. This has been an extremely powerful program. Looking forward to having President Kalambayi back on in the future for future episodes of Reparations in Action. I want to salute our leadership, Chairman Amalia Shatella, and thank Black Power 96.3 and encourage people to subscribe to our podcast, uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. Fantastic. I want to say once again, thank you so much to President Kalambayi on the net of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement. Thank you, Chair Jesse Neville and our uh, returning co-host, Chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess. 
Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Thank you to Black Power 96.3 WBPU in St. Petersburg and Unity Through Reparations. 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 We'll see you next week. <laughs>